Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 332 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. In the previous episode, number 331, I, I very briefly mentioned a micro and macro kind of focus in your game, and I'm going to expand on that concept today. The really, really important mindset and perspective episode again today. And to kick things off, I've got a really big, important announcement and something that I actually have not talked about in our content up until this point. I've talked about it on my personal Facebook page and also my my LinkedIn account, which, by the way, if you want to connect with me in either of those places, you can do that. Uh, Ian Westerman, just like it sounds, but with two N's at the end of Westerman. And so the announcement is that I've been working on a book for the last two years, over two years now. I was approached by a writer who has co-written other books with, with other people who have expertise in other areas, and he's a huge tennis fan himself, loves the game, really good player, actually, solid four or five player. And so we've been working on taking content that I've been creating over the last decade and turning it into book format. And a lot of the content has been taken from the podcast. So if you've been following this podcast for any length of time and you enjoy the content, then this book is is just made for you. It's very kind of philosophical, very very practical as well, though, a lot of mindset, but also technique and strategy. And so we just recently got to the point in the process where we successfully sold the book to a major publisher. And so now we're going through the process of creating the final manuscript. And I'm finding out that the traditional media space moves very, very, very slowly. The The launch of the book is slated for the summer of 2021. And so a lot of work is ahead for us. And the story I have to share today has to do with that process and, and how it relates to the game of tennis. And so during the selling process, I and the, the writer that, that I'm working with, we, we were lucky enough to have a really talented, well-connected agent, which in the literary, literary sorry, world is super important just to have that connection between the creator and, and the publisher, the, the organization that actually puts the book out there into the world is, is super important. So he helped us prepare the book proposal, which then he submitted to dozens of different publishing houses, probably 30 or 40. And within 24 hours, we started hearing back from publishers. And at least the first dozen, kind of the, the knee-jerk, like fast responses from publishers were all no's. And this is something that I've heard stories from different content creators and experts over the years over and over again about how many how many submissions it took before they finally got a yes on their first book. And this being my first book, I certainly didn't expect that there'd be any kind of overwhelming, like positive response and We'd have like offers like lined up around the block. I expected there to be a lot of rejection, and that was definitely the case. So for the first several days, it was just kind of no after no after no of publishers writing back and saying, no, it's just, it just doesn't really make sense for us. It doesn't fit into our catalog of different titles. It's nobody here like knows anything about tennis. Like It's just not a project that we're really interested in. And 
This is where we get down to the word, the the most important word in matches, in my opinion. And I, I have personally, I've never really connected with this word until our agent started using it. And so what he would do when he got the rejection response from from publishers that were not interested in in working with us on the the book is he would write like a one or two sentence response to me and my the writer that I'm working with just to update us and say, oh here's here's the message from so and so publishing house. It doesn't make sense for them because X, Y, and Z. And then he would f- always sign off with a single word, usually in all caps. He would write in, in closing that rejection update, he used the word onward. And after 10, 15, or 20 of those messages, I started to realize that he was very purposefully using that word in a very deliberate, very kind of highlighted way. And he was communicating a tremendous amount with that, that one word. He, what he was doing was reassuring me and, and my co-writer. He was letting us know that it's okay like, yes, we just got rejected. Yes, it'd be easy for us to be disappointed that yet another publisher is saying no. But what he was communicating to us in a single word was, don't dwell on this rejection. There's no point in getting stuck and, and kind of sitting here and, and wallowing in what could be a very negative experience. Instead, we need to move forward. And so onward was kind of his battle cry once we started really getting into it with different publishers. And thinking about it from his perspective, the agent's perspective, I mean, he's got, as somebody who professionally represents authors and and writers and professionally tries to connect those people with publishers, he's got to be receiving dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of these rejections every single day. And so you think about having that be your job, having that be your profession is receiving and processing through all of these rejections again and again and again, day after day after day. It's almost like if you don't have that, that kind of perspective on the process of, okay, the answer is no, but onward, then it would be very easy for somebody without the right mental fortitude, without the right mental toughness to just get completely consumed by the repeated rejection over and over. So this is where we make the connection with tennis. This is the part, this is this rejection and that repeated rejection is part of what makes tennis challenging. There's constantly a fork in the road during the tennis journey. And this is where we get into the micro and the macro uh, different receivings of rejection. The fork in the road meaning you either win or you lose. You make the forehand or you miss the forehand. You hit an ace or you hit a double fault. There's, there's these constant highs and lows that really punctuate the journey throughout a game of tennis, a set of tennis, a match of tennis, a season of tennis, a, a decade of tennis. There's, there's big ups and downs. There's little micro ups and downs. And in a macro sense, in a large big picture sense, there's matches, there's seasons, there's win-loss records, there's how about player ratings? Like that's a that's a big one that people really kind of grab onto and gravitate towards as kind of a single uh communication of either success or failure. You know, you're a five oh, well, 
automatically that and and the the heads of tennis players all over the world that comes with a certain weight and a certain kind of respect and 2.5 automatically communicates and comes with it a a certain sense of being green and new and maybe maybe not athletic and not not accomplished so in a macro sense there's those constant opportunities to judge ourselves and either be very positive or very negative and then in a micro sense there's the double faults the sitter volley that we dump into the net the the weak backhand that gets exposed and, and gets just pounded on <laughs> over and over and over again point after point after point when we lose and i've highlighted many times on this podcast you lose a lot as a tennis player i mean a lot uh if you win 55 or 56% of your points then you easily win a tennis match. It's not like you need to win 9 out of 10 points to win 6-0, 6-0. You only really need to win like 6 or 7 points out of 10 to completely dominate a match. So even if you dominate a match, you're still losing 40% of the time. You still have an opportunity is presented to you 4 times out of 10 to be angry or upset or feel like you're a failure. And that opportunity, not really an opportunity, that choice is being presented to us over and over and over again. And so constantly we have, we have that choice to either dwell on that failure or feel sorry for ourselves, have self-pity or maybe anxiety and worry about what does that miss mean about me? What does that miss mean about who I am as a player? Or you can choose to say, onward. Each time you're rejected, each time the net (laughs) physically rejects you and says, nope, you can't win that point, you have the choice to dwell on that rejection and be frustrated and angry and and berate yourself, which so many tennis players do, or you can consciously, uh, I believe this is a choice. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's something that should come naturally to you, but it's something that you can train and it's a muscle that you can develop and build and grow the the choice to respond with onward like move forwards at level at high levels of success in all levels of the game from 3.0 up to 6.0 at all levels there's it's critical if you want to win a lot that you have a very very short memory and people who win a ton of matches just kind of have a, a sixth sense about dropping that disappointment in a macro environment very, very fast, very quickly, just moving on to the next point. And you hear athletes in all different sports talk about this constantly, and they'll even move on immediately after a tremendous win. You know, if it's, if it's not the, if it's not the Super Bowl that just got won, if there's another game, then you will never hear a football quarterback say, yeah, we did it when there's still the rest of the season to play, or there's the rest of the playoffs, or there's the Super Bowl is still ahead they know that there's still another task at hand. And so there's that onward kind of battle cry that's constantly being given by elite athletes at all levels of play, professional and and amateur as well. And people who struggle to win, they're very often stuck on their micro failures. It might be a point, it might be a game, they were ahead 40 love and end up losing or a set that they were ahead 5-2 and they end up losing and they just can't get back on track. They get caught. They get stuck in that 
place and they stay there, the rest of the match moves on, but mentally they're stuck and they, they can't move on mentally. And so their emotions go down, their, their physical response goes down, their, their um, tactical clarity goes down and the rest of the match continues without them in a sense. And they just get completely left behind. And so my, my hope for you is that you can adopt this battle cry of onward, both in a macro sense and in a, in a micro sense, point by point, game by game, move on to the next one, keep your focus on the task immediately at hand. And also in a macro sense, um, yes, it's important sometimes to sit back and reflect and be grateful for the improvements you've made and and be grateful for the ways that you've improved as a person and as a player. That's important. But if you get stuck there, and in particular, if you get stuck on the disappointments, and that's, and that's where you end up staying, then improving is extremely, extremely difficult. So just remember, onward. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.